Hello and welcome to Misrepresented, the podcast. I'm your host, Lynn, and my co-host... It's your girl, Truth. Welcome back, y'all, to another exciting episode. Um, In today's episode, we're going to talk about an important part of life. Oh, yeah. That I think a lot of us struggle with. Speak for yourself. (laughs) I'm going to say everyone (laughs) struggles with it, and and I'll go so far as to say... Black people struggle with it, mm. especially. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're just going to say that and just cruise right past it? Yeah. It's going to be a recall when we actually get to it because I got a little bit ahead of myself. Um, okay. Okay. I want to start the episode off by asking a random question in a space off of TikTok that I saw. How do you feel about dreams do you think that they are just an revelation of what's happening on your internal psyche or do you think that it's possible you go to alternate realities in your dreams Mm. i don't know about mm, i've never thought about it from a alternate universe perspective however i will say that um I have had moments in my life, my actual life, not an alternate universe, where I had a dream and then it I saw it happen in real life and it almost felt like deja vu, but there were moments where I was like, I remember explicitly having a dream like this. And then there's also been times where I have had a dream and it was like a warning about something that was to come. And it ended up happening. And at the time I didn't know what it meant, but you know, today looking back, I I know that that was, uh, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, like a futuristic dream. (laughs) Are we scaring away from the P word? (laughs) Prophetic. Oh, <laughs> the way me, she was looking me at me, looking y'all. At him like, oh, <laughs> looking what is the viewer? Like... <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna need you to explain it immediately. Yeah, I was just asking that because I I watched the TikTok. The lady was basically explaining where she had this dream where she felt like um, she was in an alternate reality, and when she kind of explained to the people in the dream that she knew that she was dreaming everything in the dream started to change where everyone was telling her she wasn't supposed to be there. And it kind of like changed the, I guess it reset the tone of the entire dream where she felt like it was just an alternate reality where she actually was just not supposed to be there. And everyone knew that she was there and out of place. Interesting. So I'm sure you probably already watched the video as well where um someone told someone that they knew while they were dreaming that it was a dream and then they feared for their life and they were like being chased um and felt in danger the entire dream did you watch those tiktok videos as well all right well i'll have to send them to you yeah i'll have to look at those but i think it's interesting because i haven't really decided if i I personally think that dreams are more of the subconscious just working out um, 
the reality that you're in. But I've also experienced things where I wouldn't call them lucid dreams, but moments of deja vu where like the entire experience down to I know what they're going to say next and they say it type of. Yeah. I've been in this experience before. Mm -hmm. This is what I said. This is what I know they're going to say. Then they say it. And then after they say that, this is what I'm going to say. And then I say it. And then this is what they're going to say in response to that. So entire interactions happen. And I know how they're going to happen down to knowing what the person is going to say and them actually saying it. Interesting. What do you think that that... And that that happens very often. Okay. What do you think that that means for you? Um... Someone told this me told this to me before, and I think it was you that um, it's a confirmation that things are happening the way that they're supposed to. Yeah, that was me. Um, Dang it, you took it. <laughs> I was gonna say it again. <laughs> but I don't, I don't know if I'd necessarily agree with that because it's it happens way too often for me to be like, I don't need that much confirmation from the universe that my life is where it's supposed to be. If that makes sense. Hmm. Why not? Because I feel like it'll happen Some people don't get it once at all. a week or, you know, once every two weeks. And it feels like sometimes I feel like I'm in the matrix. Like, why <laughs> am I knowing what this person's going to say, knowing what I'm going to say? The entire experience feels like it's already happened. That's scary and unexplainable. Hmm. Perhaps you're a prophet. Or perhaps I'm in the Matrix and I'm not supposed to be here. I am not about to go down this conspiracy rabbit hole with you. Um, I mean, the way the way reality is set up, and I mean, there's so many rabbit holes. Who knows which rabbit hole we would actually go down? But exactly. Yeah, we'll we'll leave it there. But but we'll come back to it. We'll dive. We'll actually go down the rabbit hole in one of the, one of our episodes. We'll call it the rabbit hole of conspiracies. I don't even want to put. I don't even want to put the name conspiracy on it because. Well, is it proven? Is it a fact? Um, what's a fact? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, so let's get into today's, let's get into what we're, what we're actually going to get down into the nitty gritty of today, which is boundaries. So I did a little bit of, right. Boundaries. (laughs) I did a little bit of research on, you know, what boundaries are and how they're defined and things like that. Mm -hmm. But I think... I'm going to let you go ahead and open it up with... Well, you ruined it because I was going to ask you. Okay, go ahead. What do you think that boundaries are? Okay, so a definition that I found on the internet, which is not the one I'm going to share now. I'm just going to, without even having looked it up, what I thought boundaries were. Mm -hmm. um, It's basically... It does have a negative connotation, but I would say limits on what you allow people to do. Why do you think that limits is a negative connotation? Um, Just because it's a word that society and our current culture doesn't like. The idea that I have a limit. 
I think everything is perspective, which I will circle back to that. But boundaries, what are they? It would be considered an invisible line that defines what behaviors are acceptable for an individual. So my boundaries can be different than your boundaries. The reason why boundaries are so important is because it helps create a clear guideline, rule, or limit of how you would like to be treated. And why that is so important is because it's the foundation of how every single relationship that you have in your life will look like, essentially, right? So let's say I have no boundaries and I have no boundaries at work, right? So I allow my boss to continue to ask me to stay later or to work weekends or, you know, whatever. If I know that I refuse to work weekends and there is no if, no ands, and no buts, then when I'm interviewing, I can let them know ahead of time, this is my boundary. Um, I only heard about this once in my life where I was reading a book by Devon Franklin and it was called Produced by Faith. And he actually uh, gave a prime example of him setting boundaries whenever he would book any work. And it's just like, I honor the Sabbath, you know, and there's no ifs, no ands, no buts. You can't contact me on that day. I will not answer my phone. And he has done that for so many years that it's just known. Everyone knows how he operates, how he moves, right? Um, and I think that when you relay that to relationships that you have with, you know, friends or family, it's good to have a foundation of what you are always going to go off of because they always say treat people the way you want to be treated, right? But you have to also think about how do you want to be treated? What is your expectation? What is your limit of what you will deal with based off of, you know, previous experiences and traumas? All of those things are good to know. It's just like, you know, I'm going to use a scripture or a parable, whatever you want to call it. Without a vision, people perish, right? So just imagine how easy it is to, to get hurt when you don't have a basic foundation. So I always say, set boundaries, find peace, which is actually a book that you and I are going to discuss today. Set boundaries, find peace, a guide to reclaiming yourself by Nidra Glover Tawab. <laughs> I can't read guys. Um, so I actually wanted to ask you one thing before I start breaking down exactly what these things are. So what do you think your um, attachment style is? Um, I would say my attachment style is avoidant. Avoidant. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that? Um... I don't know. I think that's just how I learned to cope with my feelings in a way where I don't rely on other people or trust other people to 
to respect me enough or to be capable of helping me deal with my emotions. So it's always a retract myself, recover in mm-hmm. a solitude, and then re-engage with the world. But it's always... It's always... Sorry, pause there. But it's always, you know, I need to deal with this and I need to have, I need to separate myself from a situation as opposed to mm-hmm. engaging with people regarding, you know, feelings. Okay. Um, I'm going to, for those who may relate to Lynn, this is um, a definition or I guess some qualities of someone who has an anxious attachment. So, I mean, anxious, avoidant attachment. I'm so sorry. (laughs) I'm the ancient attachment guys, which we will get into, but avoidant attachment. So continually looking for reasons to justify that the relationship isn't working. Do you find that true or false for you? Um, continually looking for reasons that the relationship isn't working. Mm -hmm. Whether subconsciously or consciously, do you think based off of your relationships or in the past that that's something that fits you? Um, I guess. I mean, that's pretty broad though. It's not like, I think everyone does that. Um, hyper-focusing on the negative aspects of the relationship. Certain relationships, yeah. Okay. And I'm just going to continue to read these and then we'll discuss it afterwards. Being consumed with thoughts of getting out of a relationship. (laughs) (laughs) Having difficulty with self-disclosure. Constantly worrying about loss of autonomy. Thinking no one is good enough. Often feeling like a regular connection is too clingy. Do you still think that you have an avoidant attachment? Um, well, let's get into the anxious one, but I, I don't 100% agree with all of those things. Okay. Alrighty, are you ready for anxious? Um, I, for the most part, have grown out of a lot of this, but if you would have talked to me a year and a half ago, this is me, to the T. Constantly seeking validation, engaging in self-sabotaging behavior, continually threatening to leave the relationship, frequently arguing about how committed the other person is to the relationship, breaking up often over trivial issues, persistently questioning actions and intent as they are seen as a threat, having a paralyzing fear that the relationship will end, desiring to be close but pushing people away, demonstrating needy attention-seeking behaviors and feeling discomfort when being alone. Now, um, Typically, yeah, I would say I was absolutely um, anxious. There are some like you that um, I would say did not fit my um, scenario. But like a lot of times when you hear things like constantly seeking validation, 
that sounds so terrible, right? But for someone who maybe feels like the relationship is always and has always been on rocks, they may need affirmations like, hey, you know, um, so for instance, let's say um, I got into a, a big argument with my partner and um, my partner is an avoidant attachment style. And naturally, an avoidant attachment style will want to walk away from the argument, right? A way that an anxious attachment style can be validated in that moment is for the avoidant to say, hey, this, we're getting nowhere right now. Um, I love you. We will come back to this. I need time and space to think. Give me a couple of hours. Give me a day. You know, make it quantifiable as opposed to just walking away. Because when you leave, naturally, an anxious attachment style is going to think that it's over. Now, naturally, um, I would like to say in a perfect world that no one needs validation. But I, I think, um, and I can only speak for anxious. I don't know if avoidant at some point wants that or if they just... <laughs> they just don't care. I don't know because I'm not I'm not avoiding, so I can only speak for um, what I could attest to. Mm -hmm. Um. Well, I will say it's interesting when we talk about validation because I think in my personal relationship, mm -hmm. I think that was a big issue in the relationship mm -hmm. um, because the person that I was with, I believe, was an anxious attachment style. Um, and I was more avoidant and I did kind of, um, pick up on that, um, that scenario you kind of explained was, you know, in a scenario that I would end up in. However, when it came to, I need space mm -hmm. and I need time, I think some people's anxiousness is not even allowing them to do that, to even agree to give a person enough space mm. for even an hour or two to right. come back to a situation mm -hmm. and on some level it becomes difficult to be in a relationship with someone who has um and i will say an avoidant an avoidant either way avoidant or anxious mm -hmm. to a point where they cannot honor a boundary because mm -hmm. telling someone i cannot have this conversation right now i need you know 30 minutes an hour right later tonight that setting I wouldn't say, is it a boundary even if it's a, a setup for a temporary time? This is what I need right now. That, that absolutely be? is considered a boundary. Um, and it should be respected. And we're going to get into that. Um, I'm going to try to watch the time. Um, but just because we talked about this, let's talk about what a secure attachment will look like, mm -hmm. right? So a secure attachment would, uh, they would be able to walk away from a partner comfortably, right? So let's say we did have an argument. I'm not going to think that it's just the end of the world. Naturally, people argue, right? So understanding that people need time and space away and being comfortable with that is okay. Luckily, I feel more like that today, right? Regulates emotions during disputes. That's secure. Has a healthy sense of self. Is comfortable sharing feelings. 
allows others to express feelings without overreacting. What are your thoughts on that? So how can I be avoidant? I feel like most of the time, in most situations, I'm able to do those things as well. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I I don't, yeah, I feel like I can do those things most of the time, but I do also have still some elements of being avoidant um, in my relationships. I'm glad that you said that because that was where I knew that you were. We all have areas, right? That's why I was like, do you agree with this? After I read it to you, because I was like, there are some things that, you know, some traits that you have that are avoidant, but for the most part, you're not just naturally avoidant. It's kind of like um, a response <laughs> to people not honoring your boundaries. <laughs> yeah, I would say that's true. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Let's talk about healthy boundaries and what that looks like. Okay. Because okay? we want to give some examples. You were about to say something. Um, no. I was going to question, are we just going to talk about healthy boundaries in general? Or are we going to like categorize it like, you know, what are some healthy work boundaries? What are some healthy romantic relationship boundaries? What are some healthy family Friend boundaries. I do have some of those things that we're going to get into. Um, The first thing I do want to talk about, though, is the healthy boundaries and what that looks like. And then I'm going to give you examples of how to set them. Mm -hmm. Okay. So um, healthy boundaries can look like being clear about your values, listening to your own opinion, sharing with others appropriately, having a healthy uh, vulnerability with people who've earned your trust, being comfortable saying no, being comfortable hearing no without taking it personally. Right? These are healthy, this is what a healthy boundary will look like, right? So um, examples of setting a healthy boundary would be saying no without apologizing. How often do you hear somebody saying, no, sorry, (laughs) what are you sorry for? If you really truly mean no, why are you apologizing? Have you ever experienced somebody doing that? Because it's healthy, um, because it's the healthiest choice for you in that moment. Why are you apologizing? I've, I've not experienced it, mm-hmm. um, and I'm not a, I'm not a sorry person. Okay, well, that's no. good. So then you <laughs> set some, some pretty great boundaries there. So that's kudos to you. Um, supporting people financially when appropriate and when you can do so without causing financial harm to yourself. Now let's talk about this because family, don't we love it? <laughs> <laughs> woo <Woo-hoo. laughs> Oftentimes, um, with like family, with friends, with loved ones, whomever you can think about, sometimes money comes up, right? Where people are asking to borrow because they are in need. I recently had um, a situation like this with um, my biological father, who is a sperm donor. Um, He has not given me a dime in his life, right? But recently asked me for money. And, um, if I had it the first time I had it, so I gave it to him because I was just like, sure. Not even thinking about what door, right. That would open. Right. So then he just continually, continuously just kept asking me for money. Can I have money? I need money for this. I need money for that. You know, hard times, stuff it up, desperate measures. Right. 
And I kept thinking to myself, I said, okay, well, we all have, you know, desperate times, des- desperate mm-hmm. measures. Um, your girl over here is a little broke. No. And then called again, asked again. And then I kind of just snapped, right? Which wasn't a, a, a healthy example for me, right, towards him. But at the end of the day, I could have, one thing I noticed is that I could have went back and I could have been healthier with that. And just simply saying, no. And not feeling apologetic about it or feeling bad or like I owe someone something, right? Because I don't, mm-hmm. you know? And it doesn't make any sense for me to be giving out money to assist, you know, you if I can't even take care of myself. What's, what's the first order of business? Yourself. Mm-hmm. So... That's my thought on that. Um, You said you wanted me to give examples of like work, right? Mm -hmm. I already gave examples of work, but I'm going to um, pull up one more thing. Oh, I think this one's good. There were so many things because when you told me to talk about it, I was like, oh my God. This girl has got color coded tabs in this book if y'all if y'all were able to see we got tabs all over the book i mean (laughs) if you guys only knew because there's oh connected to bluetooth i am so sorry i'm not really too sure what is going on but you guys ignore alexa apparently she likes to um Talk to herself. <laughs> so let me give you some uh, some signs that you need boundaries with your parents. Let's just start with family because family, I feel like, is the most dangerous topic. Um, and to be honest, family is more than likely, most commonly will take advantage, mm-hmm. right, of situations. So signs that you need boundaries with your parents. Um Again, still going off the same book, which I will post in um, the comment section. So your parents are aware of intimate details of your relationship, particularly if they're causing harm in the relationship. Your parents are involved with disputes you have with others. Your parents don't respect your opinion. Your parents enter your personal space without asking. Your parents insist that you say yes to everything. You say yes to your parents out of obligation, even when it's inconvenient. So do you want to talk about that before I go into examples of what boundaries with your parents should look like? Um, I think. Yeah, I think we tend to have a sense of obligation when it comes to our parents in general. Absolutely. And I feel like, I don't know how it is with other cultures, I feel like, um, especially with um, Black families, mm-hmm. there's this idea, um, and there's a saying that, you know, blood is thicker than water. Mm. Um, which never really made sense to me, mm-hmm. um, because <laughs> anybody could cut me with a knife and I'm gonna bleed. Mm. Um, 
<laughs> and we just have this idea that because you know they're your they're your brother, they're your sister, they're your they're your auntie, they're your cousin, and it's just this sense of obligation that I have to fall on the sword for family because they're family, and it's very detrimental to to you as a person absolutely and to to them as well because everyone needs to be able to have a healthy sense of boundaries and a healthy mm-hmm. respect for everyone's boundaries there's no skip level when it comes to family as oh you get to you know jump over the boundary just because you're family i absolutely agree to that um there are still some aspects of boundaries when it comes to family that i do struggle with but um <laughs> i think i have an overly healthy probably not so <laughs> it's it's probably like bordering on um i don't know what you want to call it but at the end of the day if i set a boundary and you cross it and you family i do not have a problem treating you like a tax collector hello goodbye so <laughs> i mean it is what it is um and you will have no no access to my life if you continue to cross boundaries um physical spiritual emotional right and yeah. it's and it's like why the the idea should be that family should be the best at respecting boundaries because you're family absolutely you should be the easiest person to communicate with as to how I want to be treated because you're family mm-hmm. It shouldn't be this idea like, oh, I get to, you know, evade, elude your boundaries because I'm family. That just doesn't or make sense. Abuse it. Or it abuse doesn't. it. It doesn't. Because, you know, it's so crazy because a lot of the loose boundaries and things like that that we do learn in life, we learn from home. And then the sad thing is we grow up and we don't realize that um, we allow people to disrespect us. And that comes so easily because one, we don't even know what boundaries are. I didn't know what a boundary was until last year. Like I genuinely didn't know. I would even overshare. I would, um, you know, all types of stuff when I would meet people. And that is a sign right there of no boundaries. Everyone doesn't deserve to just know you deeply like that, you know? And you should be cautious about just giving those things out. I used to always think of it as just being shallow where I was like, I can't have shallow conversations with people. I can't do that. Like I need the conversation needs to get deep, but everyone, one can't go there with you. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it just, it is what it is, but let's talk about what, um, boundaries with your parents would look like. Okay. Um, expressing your feelings openly, managing your time in a way that works best for your schedule and lifestyle not pressuring yourself to attend every family event, giving them rules about your home. So if you don't like people having shoes in your house, just because mama comes to your house don't mean you should not ask mama to take her shoes off, right? Not allowing them to show up at your home unannounced, withholding intimate details about your relationship, not painting your partner in a negative light to your parents, ding, 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 saying no, N-O, no. Okay. Introducing your partner to your parents when you're ready, not when they're forcing you to. Sharing your opinion with your parents, being transparent with your parents about your expectations of how they can engage with your partner. Ooh. 
you should go, you guys should see Lynn's face <laughs> saying no to gifts that are given with the hope of a specific behavior from you. Ooh, bribe. Ooh. Telling your parents that you don't want to be asked about your dating life, having kids, getting married, and other topics that makes you feel uncomfortable. Staying in a hotel instead of staying with your family when you visit them. Ooh, right? So this can sound like, just I just want to give some examples. I'm dating someone new. When you meet them, don't ask them when and if we're getting married. I won't be home for Christmas because I've decided to celebrate with my friends. Before you stop by to visit, I'd like for you to call. I'd like to express my feelings without being told that certain emotions aren't okay. I know that you mean well and want the best for me, but I need to handle things in my relationship without your input. I won't accept money from you if it comes with the intention that I do something to earn that money or that you will talk about my borrowing money. I understand how important it is to you that I remain connected to my family, but I need to have my own ideas about how I maintain connections without your input. When I have issues with my sister, I don't want you to get in the middle by referring to the dispute. We are adults and can resolve our differences without your guidance. It makes me feel uncomfortable to hear you talk about your relationship with your mom. I'm sorry. It makes me feel uncomfortable to hear you talk about your relationship with mom. Please find something else to confide in. Or please find someone else to confide in. So those are just, you know, something else. Um, yeah. Those are some examples. Any thoughts about that? Did you like any? Did any stand out to you? Um, those are a lot of good ones. Um, but I'll take a bribe. You can bribe me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Whoa, sell out <laughs> over here. Right. Oh my god. Okay. Yeah, those are some interesting ones. I would I would I would be a little concerned if you were telling me you're gonna spend spend Christmas with friends instead of family. But I gotta build some pretty pretty rocky ground to decide you'd rather spend Christmas with friends. Oh. Um, but I think, yeah, the language that's used in those, and I think the one that stood out to me the most mm -hmm. um, is the one where they were, you know, letting him know, I don't need you to tell me what, basically paraphrasing, what emotions are okay to feel. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like um, in a lot of households, which is why we struggle with, having boundaries yeah. is because we weren't allowed to to either have emotions mm -hmm. express those emotions mm -hmm. or have independence or you know ownership or i'll stop it at that but <laughs> it was just this overall feeling of Not being validated. Not being validated, but your feeling feelings. like yeah. you are an extension of your parents and, you know, confirmed with all the things. You know, don't be closing my doors. Mm -hmm. It does create an enmeshment, though. Right. And yeah. the sense of your ability to 
differentiate your own emotions from them. Right. Correct. Yeah. That's an enmeshment. Just, just so you guys know, um, I, well, I knew exactly what he was going <laughs> to say. And I'm like, let me just say it this way. Cause I already know that some people may listen to this and not know what an enmeshment is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll let you continue. Do you have a deeper definition for enmeshment? I mean, um, but I'll continue while you, while you find that. But I think, yeah, in a lot of households, setting those boundaries are hard because in a lot of households, you don't get that individuality to yeah. to be your own person, in a sense. We might have to have a whole um, singular conversation about enmeshments because, one, it can get deep. And a lot of people um, don't realize how deep <laughs> it can become. Um it, it, it could really go there and people don't even realize that like they have an enmeshment with someone, you know, like let's say, um, I talk to you every single day and you know, all my deepest, darkest secrets and vice versa. Right. And every single time you tell me about something that someone has done to you, I get mad at them almost as if they've done it to me. Or if you're sad, I feel your sadness. Right. And I don't know how to separate what it is that I'm feeling and going through. It's almost like it's weird because enmeshment and like codependency, we'll have to have a, a, a separate conversation about this. We'll <laughs> we'll circle back you guys to talk about that because that is super important. Um, do you want to talk about friendships or work in in regards to boundaries? Um, we can talk about we can talk about friendship. I think I'm really good <laughs> at setting boundaries with I won't even say with friends I feel like I don't really set boundaries (laughs) it's more of like because for me I realize and I am trying to work on it um because I don't think I've had consistent friends in my life um that I would say are like really good friends um and so when a boundary is crossed, so I've had an experience where a friend crossed a boundary. Mm-hmm. Um, I explained to them that they crossed the boundary. Mm-hmm. They were unapologetic. Never spoke to them again. <gasps> <laughs> okay. Can we talk about rigid boundaries? I wouldn't say that that was a rigid boundary, mm-hmm. but so... Th- it wasn't this ideology of like, so basically you cross the boundary. Mm-hmm. If you are not willing to apologize or ever even admit that what you did was wrong, there's no space in you for my life. Goodbye. Okay. Okay. Um, let's give <laughs> some examples of what rigid boundaries look like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Never sharing. Building walls. Avoiding vulnerability, cutting people out. I'm guilty of this as well. Having high expectations of others. I also do that. Enforcing strict rules. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and then, you know, you have rigid boundaries and then you have like, just, I'm gonna call it the holy boundaries, which is you're oversharing, you're codependent, you're enmeshment, meaning lacking emotional separation between you and another person. Inability to say no, people pleasing, dependency on feedback from others, 
paralyzing fear of being rejected and accepting mistreatment, right? So you have super duper rigid. If you don't do this, fall in line, get out. <laughs> and then you have be my friend, 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 right? At, at all costs, even if you're hurting me, mm-hmm. right? Um, I think that when I read this book, one thing that I feel that I gathered is um, when it comes to like friendships and things like that, if it's a pattern, so you only allow them to mess up once, right? Fool me once. That's can't get fooled again. No, no, that's twice. That's twice. That's twice. <laughs> no, fool me once. I ain't getting fooled again. <laughs> Goodbye. I'm just kidding. Okay. I mean, that's that's up to you. But um, yeah, I I would have asked you if it was just what other factors was it that played into that? Was it just this one thing or was it multiple things that just was like, we're done. We're done. <laughs> Pack your shit and leave. <laughs> We're done. <laughs> You're done. Um, no. Um, mm. So me, I'm the type of person that... Um, <laughs> most In most relationships, if you show me who you are one time, that's all I need. Okay, Maya Angelou. Um, right. If someone shows you who they are, I believe them. The first time, right. Right, the first time. And so, for me, for me to cut you off, I would have to believe that what you did was something that I would count to your character and not you, you know, having a bad moment, having a bad day. Um, and I realized that I do have, like, situations where... I sometimes distance myself from people. So I'll, in an unhealthy way, I will realize that they're not, you know, I would say respecting a boundary. And instead of, you know, communicating that, I just distance myself. And sometimes I realize in some friendships, when I do distance myself, we don't talk for months. And that's fine with me. Mm. But... On my end, I could definitely do a better part of, you know, like communicating the boundary, like, hey, this is this is what I expect. So this is what I want. This is how I want mm-hmm. to be treated. Um, yeah, but I, I don't think there are, there are instances where I because it's like sometimes if you realize and you communicate your feelings, you communicate your values. And then you realize that you don't share the same values. Why are we friends? Why are you in my life? <laughs> right? So you communicate that to someone and you don't see eye to eye. So that sounds like to me that there was a communication. There was not an acknowledgement of your feelings and there was no effort to change. Is that what I'm hearing? Correct. Okay, yeah, then bye. But, but you know, I'm not the best when it comes to cutting people but out. But the thing I is, is... <laughs> I'll cut a whole off in a second. Some people, you know, <laughs> personality styles, they are... In the moment, they don't know how to, to act appropriately. But me, I'm the type of person... If you really, if you really made me mad, you blocked. So you'll never get a chance to even have a change of heart. <laughs> right? So you... You won't have that opportunity. 
Ooh, I don't know how I feel about stonewalling. And I wouldn't even call it stonewalling because... You don't say anything? You don't even express? If you're being blocked, you know you're going to get blocked. I'm not going to just block you and then, you know, you're texting the number like, why is there no response? And then you're like, oh, I must be blocked. No, when I block you, you know you're blocked. Um, and a lot of people... I've had an experience... I'll start by saying this. So someone sent me a TikTok saying that ignoring someone is the same thing. It gives the same response in your brain as being hit, which I haven't really done the research on that. But some people will say that you are ignoring them or stonewalling them. Mm -hmm. But if I put up a boundary and I communicated to you that the boundary was there, you're not stonewalled. You're locked out. And you know you're locked down. Okay. Well, friendships are ended in some following ways. And it's mighty funny because you listed one of them. (laughs) (laughs) Ghosting. (laughs) Which is vanishing from the relationship with no explanation. (laughs) Not answering phone calls. Ignoring all attempts to connect. Some people feel most comfortable with this form of passive communication if the other person is likely to allow them to walk away quietly without confrontation. Not quite recovering from a massive blow-up, but keeping the friendship alive on life support. Basically, it's sort of over, but there's some occasional interaction. Allowing things to fizzle out quickly, this method is preferred by many because nothing has to be said or done. It's an amicable agreement to take time and space from the relationship. Having a conversation to air out frustrations and verbalize openly that the relationship is over. So which one was the healthy one, the last one? <laughs> no, these are just how friendship friendships are um, ended. Um, and you can know how that specific friend can be handled when it comes to closing the conversations and which ones you can't. So choose the method that's best for you. And what she's saying in this situation is ghosting is okay. (laughs) Mm. She's saying that it is because in regards to it ending, right? So for instance, let's say, um, because this is not relationships. This is literally just like, a friendship, right? Mm-hmm. So let's say in this specific situation, you already said that you you spoke to. I'm just gonna automatically assume that it's it's a boy, and I'm gonna say you spoke to homeboy, and you said, "Hey, I don't like what you're doing. This is the boundary. I set this boundary." You know, homeboy was like, mm, "Right," not even giving you any instance that there was a care in the world. Nine times out of ten, when there's not an acknowledgement of what was done wrong. It is appropriate in that sense if you already said that this is the boundary and you already know that this person isn't going to respect it because when they didn't even apologize or acknowledge the fact that what they did was not okay, which means that they are bound to do it again. And in that situation, if it was grave enough to where something, you know, needed to just be cut off, you can cut it off. So for instance, I was friends with this guy once who was living in a house with me. And one night, that guy lost his shit. Like, literally. Kicked his foot through the window, was acting batshit crazy. 
I cut them off. No communication, no nothing. In that moment, am I right or wrong? I did what was best for me. I don't want you in my life. So some, some situations, right, depending on what they are, deserve that response. And no one can tell you what's best for you or how to respond to a specific situation because it's your life. So you have multiple ways of doing that. You can do the fizzle out. Um, you can do a slight recover and then let things, you know, like if I see you, I'm going to be like, hey, there's no hate here. Um, or I'm going to just flat out tell you, which I've had conversations with friends. I used to have this friend that I adored in college, absolutely adored this person, but she would fall off just randomly. Like if, if, if I hung out with another friend, this friend will fall off. And I would not hear from her for months. And then she will get over it and we'll be the best of friends all over again. But I never really was able to truly get over it. And I told her how it made me feel. She did it again. And the last time she did it, she did it when I had told her that someone very important in my life was terminally ill. And she texted me and said that our season as sisters is over. What do you say to that? You don't say anything. You may cry because, ouch, that hurt. I really thought you were a good friend, but I'm going to let this go because it's happened so many times. And then I just blocked her. I swear to God, I have so many people's funeral in my head. <laughs> you laughing. I have, I have so many people's funeral in my head. And it's no hate. I wish you all the best in your life, homie. I want you to be rich. I want you to be luxurious. I want you to have love. I want you to have whatever it is that you want in your life. I'm going to wish the best on you. Out of my life, though. You cannot be in my life with it. And I have every right to say goodbye because I've given you opportunity. I've given you a chance. And nine times out of 10, I will give you chance one and chance two. By chance three, three strikes, you're out. I'm done. There's no ifs, no ands, no buts about it. And I'm unapologetic about it. And I don't care if you're family. I don't care if we're friends. I don't care who you are. Any A, a distant relative, a close relative. No, the answer is no. And I stick beside that. Yeah, that's reasonable. Um, yeah, is are are there people that you struggle to, to, actually maintain healthy boundaries, and so this is. So in my experience, I've had people who have, crossed boundaries that were clearly set. Um, but I still give them an opportunity. Um, and I've had multiple relationships like that. Um, and I'll say the two that come to mind are romantic, but at some point the issue is, is that once you give people too many chances to break the boundary, they assume that they'll get the opportunity to do it again because Absolutely. you give them opportunity mm -hmm. and it almost becomes like they're losing the magnitude of what they're doing mm -hmm. and the gravity, yeah, right. the gravity of what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like I've struggled with that in a couple of, of my relationships where it's just been like, you've broke the boundary 
I made it clear that you broke the boundary. You know what you did. You apologize. And then I give you another opportunity. And then you break the same boundary and apologize. And then I give you another opportunity. So I guess the conversation where I'm trying to go with the conversation is do you have a method of how you deal with, you know, when is a healthy time to, to, you know, cut those relationships off mm-hmm. in a more permanent way. And then I'll, I'll just kind of bring up an example with, because let's say my sister, mm-hmm. if I had a sister, like, I'm not going to, you know, I guess it would be more the fizzle out method. Like, we we had a falling out. Mm-hmm. We've discussed it. We're not, you know, as much on talking terms, but, you know, we both know that there's no animosity, right? Mm-hmm. That's the life support one, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that would be the life support. But <laughs> when... I guess it's, I guess it will be more getting into how your attachment style is and how your relationships are, because there are some people like I view as, you know, like at the end of the day, we're still going to be family Absolutely. and we're going to have to, you know, readjust. But at what point do you decide where the boundary is permanently set and you don't get another chance to move that boundary? But that's the thing. That's for you to decide. So for me, uh, let's say as a sibling, a boundary that if you cross, I will not return from is if you physically abuse me, right? Mm -hmm. Then I absolutely within my right have every capability and will do a step away. And nine times out of 10, I won't invite you into my space. And I never will because I'll never be able to, to trust that. Right. You also mentioned in relationships. Right. So there have been um, and and I learned through trial and error. So for me, every single relationship that has ended. Right. Um, Whether it be good or bad, mostly bad, Mm -hmm. Um, because I think I've only had I'm in a really great relationship now. But in the past, I've only had one other great relationship. And. even with that, even when things ended, I wished him well, right? And wanted the best for him, but would not allow myself to be his friend for um, not fear that I thought that I would get back with him, but for his own protection, because he, in his mind, felt that we would get back together. And it wasn't fair to maintain even a friendship with him, knowing that he's holding on to hope. I needed him to move on, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that was like a a healthy thing. And we had a conversation about it, right? Um, unhealthy where, uh, I I had an ex that was putting her hands on me, right? And said some really crazy off the wall things. Did I have a conversation with this person afterwards? Because one, I'm the type of person where when you break up with me, they all come back. Like every single ex in my life that has broken up with me has come back, right? Right. Now, the question is, have I allowed them to come back? Now, in the past, I did test that theory because I was just like, oh, and every single time, and I remember I dealt with one dude for like 
10 years, <laughs> 10 years, like seriously dealt with him for like 10 years, the same mess, the same mess over and over and over and over again. And then I woke up and I was like, you know what? This is 10 years of your life that you chose to waste because for 10 years he has shown you that he wasn't shit and you continue to stay. So you can't be mad at anyone but yourself. I had to have a coming to Jesus moment with myself. And I said, you know what? He treated me like shit. Why did I give him three, four, five, six, seven, ten 10 chances? Why did I do that? Why did I do that to myself? I, I deserve better. But at the time I had no limits. I had no boundaries. So I allowed him to disrespect me because I was disrespecting myself essentially because I didn't set a foundation, right? Um, so ever since him and about two other relationships afterwards, I realized a pattern. And I said, man, if I break up with you and this was not a good breakup, and you did this, that, and the third, there's no sense in me rekindling that flame because I'm already knowing how it's gonna go. It's like me picking up the same book and expecting the outcome to be different. It's the same book. How is the outcome gonna change? <laughs> get a new book, <laughs> you know, get a new book. And um, oftentimes we get afraid because we know what the story is for that, or we're holding on to this hope that things are gonna be different, they're gonna be better. They're... Here's the thing, nobody can fundamentally change overnight. Nobody can fundamentally change in six months. No one can fundamentally change in a year. It takes time, it takes healing. And if it was acid when you touched it, it's still acid today. Walk away, let bygones be, be bygones and give yourself a shot at having something better because I've always been an avid believer that what's for you is for you and no one and nothing can stop it, tear it away, take it away, any of those things. And people, when you meet the right person, and I feel like I can say this because um, I feel like I'm experiencing it, right? One, when people always say, when you know, you know, it's true. You really do know. But also two, the same effort that you put into that situation, that other person is going to be putting back into it. So every single time you pour out, they're pouring in and vice versa. So you never really feel like empty or burnt out, you know? So I always tell them like, reach for that. And if you're not getting that, let it go. Because you deserve to be met with the same type of energy, the same type of consistency, the same type of love, you know? And you have to give yourself that. And if somebody didn't give it to you, you gave them one chance, one chance. You only get one shot. Do not miss your chance to blow. It's opportunity once because opportunity comes once, once in a lifetime, you know, and they need to know that when they're dealing with you and set your boundaries, set your limits, stick to it. Don't let nobody, you know, deter you from what's best for you. Don't let anyone tell you what's best for you. Your boundaries can look like whatever they need to look like for you. And I, I suggest look it up. I even suggest follow my girl on, um, Instagram, I think she, uh, let me find out the Instagram. Talk real quick about something. <laughs> um, we're close to wrapping up, but I think we are. that uh, that's some really good um, advice for myself and for our listeners. Mm -hmm. um, it's important. And I think a lot of us struggle with um, a sense of, self-worth as also a fear of 
Um, not thinking you'll be able to find something better. And I think a lot of people have this mentality that they can change people or they can wait or help them change, right? And I think um, earth signs, uh, yes, earth signs have, have it really bad. The most down to earth signs have the strongest sense of delusion because <laughs> oh, I was not expecting you to say that <laughs> right like when it comes to ourselves we can be so delusional in how rational we are mm-hmm. because we will rationalize the hell out of our delusions um, but that's another that's something else um, <laughs> we might have to talk about the hero syndrome yeah um, so for me I think there's this part of me and so that's why when we talked about the avoidant, you know, constantly fearing that people are not going to be, you know, good enough or that, you know, the relationship is not going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it, it's also a little bit of holding on to this belief that they can get better or, you know, they're going to change. Mm-hmm. They can change and you just have to wait. And I've, I've started accepting, you know, that I am going to expect the person that I'm going to spend my life with is going to either be able to match my level of healing or have more healing because I've encountered too many people, (laughs) too many people Mm -hmm. who have not had enough healing and it's just been draining. And so I've kind of set that boundary for myself when it comes to relationship. And that's my my first, I guess, litmus test. Where are you on your healing journey mm-hmm. of, you know, acknowledging your trauma and understanding and realizing how it's affecting who you are today and how are you adjusting for that? Absolutely. And so, yeah, that's where I'm at. I think that that's powerful and I like it because, you know, when you go to the grocery store, you don't go to the grocery store and pick up the things that's broken or, you know, the eggs is cracked. You look for the best, the best, you know, right. presentable option, right? For you. And um, people should think of, of dating like grocery shopping. And, you know, sometimes you pick up an item because you think that you want it. And then sometimes you put that item back because it ain't, it ain't what's best <laughs> for you, right? Right. You don't need them donuts. (laughs) But, um, yeah, so I just wanted to give that analogy and hopefully it helps someone. Um, So, again, today we talked a little bit about setting boundaries, finding peace, a guide to reclaiming yourself with Nedra at Nedra Twab on Instagram. You can follow her. I do want to give credit where credit is due because a lot of what we discussed came from her book. Um, Even though he's like, we never give free marketing, but we do quote whoever we're quoting or whoever we're getting information from we will quote them um go ahead and close us out lynn yes um thank you guys for listening um to misrepresented the podcast i'm your host lynn and my co-host it's your girl truth happy wednesday motherfuckers